calling all aspiring investment professionals. Get a leg up on the competition. Final registration for the August CFA exam ends on May 14th. Register now to secure your spot. The CFA designation is of gold standard in the investment world, opening doors to high-powered careers and impressive salaries. Head over to cfainstitute.org to register. Don't wait. Take control of your finance career today. Hello, welcome to this episode of CFA Institute's Take 15. I'm Steve Horan, Head of Professional Education Content, and I'm joined here today by Scott Stewart, CFA. Dr. Stewart is the Faculty Director of the Masters of Science and in Investment Management Program at Boston University, CFA Program Partner, and he's also co-author of the recently published book, Running Money, Professional Portfolio Management. Thanks for joining us, Scott. My pleasure, Steve. In, in your book, you have a chapter on uh, portfolio rebalancing and tax management, and it's titled uh, Managing a Portfolio Through Time. Could you talk a little bit about what you mean by that phrase? Sure, I, I'd be happy to. Um, this is one of our favorite chapters, and the reason is that we can get two Ph.D. theses summarized in only one chapter. Uh, Chris Piro's his expertise was looking at the issues of rebalancing um, under different transaction cost scenarios. And my um, thesis was more on uh, portfolio trading and securities trading, transaction costs, liquidity measures, and pricing. So it's a, it's a great team effort, this, this chapter. When we think about um, a portfolio optimization or the, or the best portfolio to have, we usually start with something like the Markowitz uh, mean variance model. And it's a great tool to begin with, but the problem is it just assumes one period. You set it up and then you let it go for your lifetime or infinity even. However, over time, you get changes in prices, changes in alphas, changes in risk. And ideally, you'd want to be making changes in the weights or the selections that you have, either different asset classes or funds or individual securities. But there are a, a lot of issues of, of doing that efficiently. For example, you need to understand the levels of transaction costs and different forms of transaction costs. You need to determine what are the appropriate rules for rebalancing, changing the portfolio. So the the paper, or let's say the, the chapter starts out a lot talking about the, the issues of um, transaction costs, different forms of transaction costs, and then gets into specific rules for, for rebalancing as well. And at the end, one of the, the biggest transaction costs we face are, are taxes. And so it talks about the impact of that as well. Yeah, all of which sort of uh, feeds into this con uh, concept of performance shortfall. Could you describe what you mean and what those major components are? Sure. There's a, a, a paper uh, by Andre Perot in the late 80s which talks about implementation shortfall. And that's once you, you set up a portfolio, what, what's the, the drag um, in the live portfolio? But we even step back um, one step further. And when you begin to de decide on what type of strategy to select, there's a, there's a little bit of a bias in terms of your selection process, what we call a, a hindsight bias. So you aren't going to realize the level of performance that you would expect um, because you've kind of cherry-picked the best results. And, and once you adjust for that, your results are going to be worse. So that's kind of one impact on performance. The second uh, ones involve really implementation shortfall. So what are the actual transaction costs that you experience when you trade? Um, if you're not trading continuously, what's the give up in, in not doing that? Um, and so your, your final portfolio will have, have uh, lower performance, perhaps worse, 
uh, risk characteristics than what you originally thought. And so that's kind of an introduction to the chapter. So those transaction costs are what? Uh, transaction costs you can think of in terms of commission, so you know, cents per share or dollars per trade. Um, the second one is bid-ask spread. So even with bond trading, you typically don't have a formal commission, but the, 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 the market maker or specialist is buying and selling at different prices, and, and the, the difference between those prices is called the spread, um, bid-ask spread. And then if you want to do a bigger trade, you go outside of the bid-ask spread, and then we typically call that market impact. And the bigger the trade, the less liquid or less uh, lower volume type security um, and a higher level of volatility of the security, then the bid-ask spread expands more quickly and the, and the transaction costs are higher. So it's important to understand that you can have a, a cents per share trade or a dollars per trade, um, and then you have bid-ask spreads and market impact. And they all have very different characteristics. For example, market impact grows as the trade gets bigger, uh, the, the uh, transaction cost grows. And that actually leads into different types of, of rules for rebalancing, which is actually Chris's uh, thesis from, uh, from grad school 20-odd years ago. Yeah, one of the things you bring out is that the, there's not one single rebalancing strategy that's ideal. It needs to be conceived of in the context of the portfolio. And one of those portfolio factors you identify is the correlation among the securities within it. Right. Can you talk about how those concepts relate? Sure. The uh, correlation of the, of the investments and the, the type of, of alpha, for example, have a big impact on transaction costs and rebalancing strategies. So if you think of um, uh, an investment where you have 50% in international stocks and 50% in, in domestic stocks, if, the, if they both have the same return and you want to keep your weights 50-50, then you never have to make a trade. Um, but if they're, you want to re remain 50-50, but let's say your, uh, your, your national stocks go up or more recently go down and your U.S. stocks go up, if you want to stay at 50-50, you need to be rebalancing. So that's a, a correlation issue. There are also issues in terms of your, the correlation of your alpha, and you can think about the difference between a value style manager who holds on to a position for a long time and may have, have low turnover requirements um, versus a, a growth manager, maybe a momentum manager. And one of the challenges with a, with a value manager is they tend to sell their positions uh, after a very long period of time with a big increase in, in price and a, a result capital gains and a, and a tax, uh, tax hit as well. So the, 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 the correlation and the strategy have an impact on tax strategies as well. Well, let's pick up on that point a little bit. It, it looks like we're in an environment where dividends and capital gains taxes are going to be going up. Uh, how does that affect the optimal rebalancing strategy? Fortunately, it makes it more complicated and, and uh, more challenging. The, the, the taxes introduce an additional transaction cost, but to a large extent, with capital gains in particular, you can decide when to postpone those. So it's actually an, kind of an option feature. So if you're going to make sure that your diversification is as good as you want or that you want your alphas as fresh and as powerful, you need to decide, am I going to trade now, kind of eat the tax cost now, um, to improve the portfolio, or do I want to postpone that so that the, I pay the tax later, and it's a, in a sense a lower cost in present value terms. Um, the, uh, the increase in the, in the level of taxes and the um, uh, especially short-term versus capital gains makes that more complex, but also creates a business opportunity for investment managers who offer tax-efficient strategies with very low tax 
on the capital gains side, it, it, it was a very simple strategy. Now, if taxes have increased, it becomes a more complex strategy, and you may want to, in a sense, outsource that and, and hire a, a specialist that does that. Right, yeah, that, that link between taxes and the actual rebalancing strategy itself as you know, a subset of the larger investment strategy is perhaps not something that's been uh, fully explored by, by a lot of folks. So you've identified correlation, taxes, a number of issues in transaction costs mm -hmm. in this equation, if you will, of rebalancing. What kind of rules of thumb could an investment manager walk away with to think about how to go about that? Okay, well the first thing is, in the real world, t transaction costs are increasing. So the bigger the trade, um, unless you have a very small portfolio, the higher the level of t transaction costs. And what that means is that you, you want to have a band around your ideal position. And when you trade, depending on, the, on how much the, the cost increases, you'll want to be getting close to that band but not necessarily. The, the, the neat thing about the chapter is that it lays the groundwork for what a typical trader does. If there's a big order, he'll trade that over a period of days. And you can actually explore the level of transaction costs and, and, and decide how much of that you want to do. Typically, it's a rule of thumb like 10% of trading volume or something like that. Um, but I think what the, the exciting thing about the, the, the chapter is it makes one key point, which is you don't want to be rebalancing on a calendar basis. You want to rebalance when you you need to, from from a from an alpha point of view or diversification point of view, and typically you want to trade toward a band around your target weight. So if your target weight is five percent, then you want to allow yourself a band around that. And if transaction costs are high and increasing, so the bigger the trade, the bigger the cost, then you want to get close to the band, but maybe give yourself a few days to get toward that band. Of course, the details come out in your particular strategy: small cap, high turnover strategy more transaction costs versus a low turnover strategy. Um, the other thing that we, we bring out that's important for any investment manager is to think about their level of capacity. And we, we, we talk about ways to estimate transaction costs using actually relatively simple ways. One of the neat things about the book is that we, we try to put in practice a lot of the, the text, a lot of the theory with spreadsheets. And we have uh, illustrations of, of how to estimate transaction costs using live results and buy and hold returns. Um, and you can use that information to, to better, better optimize your trading strategy, your rebalance strategy. Scott, thanks for sharing these insights. My pleasure. Thank you, Steve. And thank you for joining us. To browse our library of other multimedia products, visit us on the web at cfainstitute.org. Copyright 2010, CFA Institute. No part may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, electronic, mechanical, recording, or otherwise, without the express prior written permission of CFA Institute. This program is designed to give accurate and authoritative information in regard to the subject matter covered. It is distributed with the understanding that CFA Institute is not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, tax, investment, or other expert advice. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought.